0: actually prepared. I've been doing a series really since the first of the year. God spoke to me over the Christmas holidays that, you know, if we're going to navigate through 2020 and the ensuing years, boy, develop your prayer life. So, you know, I'm going to say this is still a part of that series, but God gave me something else since we're all going through this thing together to minister today, and uh, I think it'll be an encouragement. Seven things to remind ourselves of during tough times So just thought this would be an encouragement How many know life often brings uh, sudden Unexpected unforeseen challenges that's certainly where we all find ourselves today and you know I've learned and, and I'm sure you have too if we sp- respond the right way The challenges that we face can make us better not bitter but how many know it's up to us What we choose to do and uh you know, the whole world right now is dealing with the fe- effects of this coronavirus. We, we believe soon it's going to be over, and we're believing God. We're praying. We had a fantastic prayer meeting yesterday, and we're believing God along with millions and millions of other believers worldwide that are praying that, that uh, God will stanch this thing and, and that we'll, uh, we'll get back to some semblance of normal soon. But... Um, uh, until then, here are seven things that we all need to be reminded of uh, together as we believe God and stand until this passes. So I just want to get right on into it. Seven things that we can do. Number one, how many know we are not immune from hardship? And uh, the scripture is very clear about that. And you know, I was thinking about this the other day. Jesus uh, endured two kinds of suffering. Jesus Jesus in, uh, endured uh, circumstantial sufferings, uh, I'm sorry, um, He endured uh, substitutional sufferings for us. And then he, he endured also circumstantial sufferings. Now, Jesus suffered for us substitutionally. He was our substitute before God. He became what we are, so we can become what He is. So, Jesus standing as our substitute endured some things for us. So that we don't have to endure them. In fact, First um, Peter chapter 2 verse 24. Here again, passion translation. He himself carried our sins in his own body on the cross. So that we would be dead to sin. And live for righteousness. Our instant healing flowed from his wounding. So Jesus bore two things substitutionally in our place for us. <clears throat> Jesus took our sins in his own body on the tree. Jesus also at the same time paid the price for our physical healing. And so Peter there in verse 24, he says, from his woundings, healing flows to us. And so we can believe God and thank God that we can live above sin, free from sin, knowing that our Sins are forgiven and cleansed, walking without condemnation, walking and stand before God just as though we'd never done wrong. How many know that's the, sub, the substitutionary sufferings of Christ? And then when sickness tries to attack our bodies, the moment you sense it, right then you say, no, you don't, Satan, take your hands off me. Jesus took my sins and he took my sicknesses and you stand your ground. See, we have the right as a believer to do that. Having said that, Jesus also endured circumstantial sufferings. And he went through hardship, difficulty, and, uh, and you know what? We are, he did not immunize us from the challenges of living in a fallen world. We all face that and we all go through that. Jesus went through tough times. We're also going to go through tough times. So that's point number two. Our journey through life is often filled with hard places. So hardship test difficulties just part of, of uh, living on earth. Walking by faith doesn't mean you don't have problems. What it does mean is when the problems come to us like they do to everybody on this planet. We have answers from God and from his word and we can trust God to make a way for us. That's what, we can pro- that's what he's promised him. In fact, Jesus said this in John 16. This is New Living uh, Translation. I love this. I have told you all this. He was preparing his disciples for the time that he left. And he said, I told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows. He said, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So he didn't say you're not going to have any trouble. If you, know, if you think, well, I'm, I'm going to come to Jesus and... And that means all my problems gonna be solved. No, you might have more, you know. But because you're not living the way you did, you know, you were going downstream of the rest of the world and Jesus turns your life around, you headed upstream and lots of times there's more challenges than ever. Because now you're resisting what you didn't resist before. You're resisting your flesh. You're resisting satanic opposition. You're resisting the world, the influence of people around you who don't know the Lord that are walking in darkness. And they're trying to get you to go the wrong way. So sometimes there's more challenges. But he see, he's promised to make a way of escape. The the, uh, King James or New King James Version Uses the word tribulation in this verse I just mentioned, John 16, 33. It says, these things I've spoken unto you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Now, that's an interesting word there that he uses. And, and he uses that word on purpose. That word is used a number of times throughout the Bible and in the New Testament. And Jesus said, there be of good cheer of overcome the world. That word tribulation is a Greek word <clears throat> that means Intense pressure. In fact, if you if you follow the etymology or the origin of that word through history, you know, it it means intense pressure or squeezing. You know, like like you know, they have olive trees in Israel, and they would take the olives off the tree and put them between two really firm metal screens and and squeeze, squeeze the olive until the until the oil is pressed. So you think of the pressure that olive faces by being squeezed, and and it's also used. This is a little strange, but you know somebody that um, that other saw committing a crime, they wouldn't they wouldn't be honest and say I did it. Well, that would lay the guy on the ground, strap him down. Where well, this is really weird. I'm glad they don't do it today. Strap him down and get a boulder, a small boulder that's fairly heavy. Put it on his chest, and and. Trying to breathe with a boulder on your chest. chest Pressure. Oh, that's, that's what Jesus is talking about here. There are things in life that have come and they're producing pressure. Making it hard to live. Making it hard to breathe. Jesus said we're not immune from those things. But he, he did tell us be of good cheer I've made a way for you. I will help you. That's what he said. Isn't that good news? Psalm 34, 19. He's been with me all my life as a believer. I love it. New Living Translation says, The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. And I love Passion Translation. Even when bad things happen to the good and godly ones, the Lord will save them. And not let them be defeated by what they face. Isn't that great? So you know we got every reason uh, to be encouraged. You know, really, uh, what we do in the hard place determines what the hard place does to us. So that brings me to my next point, number three. Sometimes God allows us to go through a hard place, and. You know, I'm making some little videos uh, every day since we're apart, just to bring some encouragement. You know, four or five minutes. And I mentioned this the other day, uh, a couple of days ago. Someone said, "What life finds in you determines what life does to you." So you know, that's that's true. That's true for all of us. In fact, this is a little uncanny, but years ago. Uh, in fact, Kenneth Hagin was teaching on pressure and trouble and stuff when I lived in Oklahoma. Susan and I lived there for eight years and attended his school and then got on staff at a local church there. And, uh, and it, it was just shocking to hear him say, Matthew 4, 1, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And he would say, sometimes God will lead you. Into a hard place on purpose. For the purpose of honing your character. And changing things about you. I didn't like hearing that. And you know first time I heard that. I was in my you know, my early 20's. And you know pretty green. And uh, in spiritual things. And I thought man I, I don't think I like that. And you know what I found out. Life proved it to be true. That's exactly what God will do. Passion translation. Afterwards the Holy Spirit. Led Jesus into the lonely wilderness. Watch this, in order to reveal his strength against the accuser by going through the ordeal of testing. So sometimes God leads us uh, into a hard place for the purpose of revealing what's inside of us. And and, you know, sometimes you're stronger than you think you really are. And it's not until you go through a test that you find that that's... uh, Absolutely true. Uh, if you've read after the writings of Smith Wigglesworth, he's got one book that he actually authored. It actually was a stenographer. He was preaching in 1924, and they, they wrote down what he said. And the book, Ever Increasing Faith, is really the only one that he actually wrote, wrote by someone taking it down. But in that book, he said, great faith comes from great tests. Now, you know What? We want God to do something in us. We got to be able or uh, willing to go through resistance. You know, if you do any weight training, and you know, I've been doing a little bit here and there, you know, and, and at home, you know, I ride my bike and then upper body weight training. But you know, when you put a resistance against the muscles that you have, it makes them grow. And the more resistance, the greater the growth. All things being equal, right? So you think about that with your faith. You know, we, we often think of Romans ten seventeen as Christians. Faith comes by hearing God's Word. Well, the capacity for faith comes by hearing the Word. But really, faith is only developed when you take the Word that you hear and then apply it in the circumstances of life. So uh, one way we can think is, you know, if God allows us to go through a hard place He's allowing us to develop our character. He's allowing us to develop our faith. Uh, Kenneth Haken also said this about the hard place. And I didn't understand it when I first heard it, but I've lived enough life now, I get it. He said this hard places are God's method of taking us into deeper places of fellowship with Him. Now, you know, I thought, well, why couldn't God do it, so, do it an easier way? Well, God's God, we're not, and He knows what we need. And uh, so what I found, you know, so here's the number of years, it's 30 years ago, one of the most severe trials I went through was really, really hard for me. And uh, every day was challenging, and, uh, you know, I read in Isaiah where Isaiah said, I set my face like a flint, and I could just see him, you know, just jacking his jaw real strong. You know, life is hard. And I often would, I don't know why I said it this way, but I'd say, God, you know, this is like eating nails. This is hard. And I'd grip my jaw, and I'd remember Isaiah said, he set his face like a flint. But those hard places, and I can tell you that some of the most challenging times in my life have have been uh, the times of most change, and I'll go back to that again uh, in in, uh, another point later, but there was this one time that I was going through a severe difficulty, and 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 you know what? I, I found out in that hard place, I, fa- I found out that I would misplaced my priorities. And, and, and I thought Jesus was first place in my life. But I found myself saying when the pressure was on, God, just to know you, just to have fellowship with you, means more to me than anything else in the world. And see, that's what, that's what pressure will do. It'll bring you to the point of, of finding out, I find out watched the most important things in your life, you know the most important thing is is uh, not what I might think it is. The most important thing is is having fellowship with the Lord, knowing Him. I've got an eternal relationship. You've got an eternal relationship with the Lord, and He wants to be number one. You know what I found that many times the pressures that life bring make me reorganize myself and my purposes, and I found that excuse <coughs> excuse me many times. In life, So during this challenge, you may want to ask yourself, am I seeking first the kingdom of God? <laughs> or, like me that time, are your priorities out of place? Number four, our response in a tough time. Um, our response determines what the tough time produces in us. Sometimes when you're going through a hard place, it's good just to kind of take a step back. For me, I frequently, because... You know, I pastor this church, I'm a leader, and you know, a leader generally, you know, you're looking at the you're looking into everything that's going on, looking in all the fine lines and all that, but I often just take time to step back and just think. All right, what's going on in life? Here's where I am, here's where I was, here's where I'm going. So what's what's the bigger picture? Sometimes if you assess the bigger picture, how many know it helps you understand what you're going through right now and its importance? How many know that? So Again, don't despise the hard places in life. And uh, it's important that when uh, hardship comes that we don't harden our hearts and blame the Lord for things that come. Does God allow, obviously God allowed this thing worldwide. I, I think he's got a bigger plan. and I think he's got a bigger picture. Personally, I'm going to tell you what I think. I think this is a dry run uh, of things that may be coming. Because we're approaching the time of Jesus' return, we don't know all the future holds. But you know, this is preparing us for uh, for the for the idea that at any moment, suddenly, everything that you think is okay and normal isn't. And then you know, it shows us it shows us what we're trusting in, what we value, and what we think is more important in life. And I found again that tough times our response determines what the tough time produces in us it's a great opportunity for God to haunt and change our our character listen to James 1 2 Phillips translation I love J.B. Phillips translation of the New Testament I put this in a, a blog I think I also mentioned it on some of the small videos I've done when all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives hadn't this crowded in This wasn't convenient. We had things going. We had plans. When all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my brothers, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Hey, wait a minute. Welcoming them as friends? Are you kidding me? Welcome a heart place as a friend? That's the way he translated it. He said, realize that they come to test your faith and produce in you quality of endurance You know, just the ability to stand when things aren't fun or nice. You know, that that is a quality that nobody else can give us. We have to hone that out ourselves by eking through the circumstances that life brings. He says, uh, he goes on to say, But let the process go on until that endurance is fully developed, and you will find you've become men of mature character, or women too, with the right sort. Men of integrity with no weak spots. I like it. And then A. Arthur S. Way, we'll mention him again, Philippians chapter 4:11. I love this. Man, I, in the hardest times that life has brought me, I've gone back to this verse, Arthur S. Way's translation again and again. He says here I've learned in whatever condition I am to be independent of circumstances. You know, what if we're dependent on circumstances? That means your happiness and your satisfaction is dependent on what's happening around you. But what if God can get us to the place that regardless of what somebody says, regardless of what happens outside of us, we're unmoved. We still love God. We still honor Him. We still walk by faith. We still believe His Word. See, that's a person that's going to make it regardless of what Life in the fallen world brings. So he says, I learn in whatever condition I am to be independent of circumstances. He says, I'm schooled to bear the depths of poverty. I'm schooled to bear abundance in life as a whole and all its circumstances. I've mastered the secret of living. How to be the same amidst repletion and starvation, amidst abundance and privation, and then he ends it by. I love this. He ends it by saying this: "I am equal to every lot through the help of Him who gives me inward strength." Now, y'all, now, now that's maturity of character. You know, you think about a child. We've got we got five grandkids and one on the way, and you know, I, I just watch him. It's it's kind of humorous to watch, and we've all been there. But you know, a child when they don't get in their way, they throw a tantrum, start crying immediately. You know, wham, you know, and that's the way a lot of us are as adults. When we don't get away, maturity of character, you know what it means? Regardless of what life brings, you're unfazed, you're unmoved. And you know what? You say, you know, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. He hasn't changed. His word hasn't changed. His promises haven't changed. His love hasn't changed. The Holy Spirit's inside of me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And when you get to a place in life that all of the things around, regardless of what they're doing or saying, they don't move you, that's a person who's growing up how many know God wants us to get there? So he wants to teach us to be independent of our feelings and our circumstances and dependent on him. So, you know, in tough times when we look past what's happening and we focus on what God has to say, that's, that's when we really, really begin to grow. Number five, God wants to help us overcome. When the test is on. How many know that's true? So years ago I was again going through a quite. I've been through so many things. But you know this one was uh, particularly severe for me. I was. I've mentioned this so many times here at our church. I was um, about 30 years old. And this, uh, this, this particular trial lasted about uh, three, four years. And about uh, two and a half, three years into it. I was. Uh, it was really, really hard for me as a young man. I think when this happened. I was about 32 years old. And, and um and, you know, I, things were just so hard, I, I wanted to give up. I just got tired of fighting. I got tired of facing the same circumstance. In fact, it seemed like every morning when I woke up, uh, and I heard something say, hey there, and it was my problems. And I woke up and my problems were staring at me. And I was saying, oh my goodness, what, what am I going to do? And, uh, and so I got to focus on my problems so much, I wanted to quit, I wanted to give up. And uh, actually, I had suicidal thoughts come. I, you know, most people at some time in their life have those kinds of things. I'm not proud of that. It's a little bit tough. But you know what? I, I, I'm just I'm amazed at how loving God the Father is. When I was going through that and having kind of a pity party, I heard, I heard him say, get up. I mean, he said, get up. I said, huh? I, I thought he was going to say, well, I'm real Sorry. You know, you're going to be all, he he, he didn't do that. I said, well, I thought you loved me. He said, get up. In fact, first time he said, get up. Then he said, get up. And then I heard, get up. (laughs) Get up. And I just knew, get your Bible, go outside. I had 10 oak trees in my backyard. And I just knew, get your Bible, get your butt outside, and I'm going to show you something. And y'all, I promise that happened this way. And, And I was astounded. I had lost my hope. When you lose your hope, listen, when you lose your hope, all you're looking at is your circumstances. You know what? Instead of looking at God, you're looking around. You're looking at everything other than him. Jesus, uh, you know, Hebrews 12 says, looking unto Jesus. That's a steadfast gaze. That's not looking at all the stuff around us, right? Right? So so uh, I was looking all around. He said, get up, go outside. I'm serious. I got my Bible. I, I just can't believe it happened that way. I got my Bible, and I just knew I needed to turn to the Psalms. And when I did, God took me through through portions of Scripture. I'm going to read to you in just a minute. And he showed me, Mitch, you're going to be okay. And you know what I, I found out he did? He gave me hope. See, you're hopeless if you look around. You're hopeless if you don't think, see things getting better. We're hopeless if all we do is absorb our surroundings and what everybody else is saying. If all you do is watch the TV all day, you are a hopeless person. You hear me? No, we got to have something that imbibs us with a, 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 a knowing that, you know, things are going to be okay. If the father knew where I was at, he told me to get up very sternly. Went out to the yard. He gave me these following scripture. And, and, and y'all, it gave me such hope. And y'all, I read them every single day. I noted them in my Bible. I wrote them out by hand at the time. We didn't have the internet and and a lot of uh, easy conveniences like we have today. I wrote them out by hand, kept them with me and I read them and y'all, it got me through the hard place. God wants us to know that things are going to be okay. He's going to help us overcome when the test is on. Listen to this. I'm just going to go through this. Uh, Psalm 27 verse 5 was the first one. Here's God's word translation. He hides me in his shelter when the when there is trouble. That means where, where I am, he is. He, he, he surrounds me with himself. He keeps me hidden in his tent. He sets me high on a rock. Old Testament times, you know, first century times, you know, if you, were, if you were a person that was an agrarian person, not a city dweller, a rock was a big deal. A rock can shield you from wind, from storm. A rock is a place of shelter. Uh, from the sun. A rock is a big deal. A big rock, you know, it's got shadows around it. Maybe it's got a little cavern underneath. That's what he's saying. Psalm thirty-four, nineteen: Many, not few, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. God began to encourage me. Psalm thirty-seven, thirty-nine through 40, listen to this. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. He didn't say we're strength, a strength unto ourselves. He says he's our strength. That means somebody's in you that's buoying you up above the challenges you face, right? He says, um, a salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them. And deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Listen to Passion Translation, same verse, Psalm 37, 39, and 40. It says, but the Lord will be the Savior of all who love him. Even in their time of trouble, God will live in them as strength. Now, man, I don't know about you, but that's that's good. You know, that reminds me of 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he. Who is in, you. in fact, that verse starts off, You are of God little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He who is in you than He that's in the world. Even in their time of trouble, God will live in them as strength. In verse 40 of Psalm 37 Because of their faith in Him, their daily portion will be a father's help and deliverance from evil. This is true for all who turn to hide themselves in Him. We don't know how this thing's going to play out, you know, financially, circumstantially, with the whole world. People are saying all kinds of things. What we can have confidence in is that regardless of what happens today, God's going to make a way for us. And He's going to provide for us. And we're going to be okay. I think right now, He's wanting everybody to reassess who they are, where they are, what they believe and where they're going. How many hear me? And if we're listening closely, I think we'll hear God speaking to us. Come to Him. Psalm 46, 1, God gave me this. Here's amplified Old Testament. God is our refuge and strength, mighty and impenetrable to temptation, a very present and well-proved help in trouble. See, I like that part. He's a very present help. Sometimes you can't feel the presence of God. And here's, here's what I found out. Sometimes when you feel God the least, he is present the most. Did you hear me? So don't go by feelings. God is not a feeling. See, our feelings are our emotions. And emotions often follow thoughts. So if our thoughts are awry because of the circumstances of life are, then you may not feel you know personally the presence of god but that doesn't mean he's there he's more present than ever sometimes when you feel in the least in fact my life experience is sometimes when i felt in the least he's doing the most you just it's just really strange how god does these things psalm 50 verse 15 call upon me in the day of trouble i will deliver you See, that's positive isn't it? and you will glorify me psalm 86 verse 7 in the day of my trouble I will call upon you, for you will answer me. And I just read, as we started the service, Psalm 91, 14 through 16. Because he set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I'll set him on high, because he's known my name. He will call upon me, I will answer him, I will be with him in trouble I will deliver him and honor him with a long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And then God gave me a verse from the New Testament, Romans eight thirty seven Amplified. Yet amid all these things, were more than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through him that loved us. So you know, I was uh, I was despondent in despair despairing of life, and, and God gave me these verses, and you know what? It lifted me up because it gave me hope and helped me look beyond the present. And that's what you got to do when you're in a hard place. You look past where you are right now, and you've got to see the overarching promises of God that promise us, regardless of what we're going through, He makes a way for His people. And He never, ever abandons us, regardless of what we feel. Is that, is that good news? So, so you know, these, they, these scriptures move my thoughts away from my thoughts to God's thoughts about my rough place and, and let me know again that he's watching, he's ready to help, and that he would be with me and help me until the storm, the hard place ended. And, you know, that, that's, that's the way it is today. We don't know when this thing's going to stop, but we do have the promise that regardless of how long or, how, or, or, or what the intensity may be of what we're dealing with today, God's going to make a way for us. Isn't that great? You know, I don't know any greater encouragement than that. Number six, God wants us to take advantage of hard times to allow him to develop our character. So, you know, when you, when you look at the macro, when you step back when you're having a problem and, and look at, uh, at it in an overarching way, you know, God's concerned about where we are right now, what we're going through. But in the light of eternity and in the light of our whole life, he's also interested in developing our character. He did that with Jesus. He he, he placed him in the wilderness on purpose. And sometimes God will allow us on purpose to go through a hard place. So you may say, well, well, you mean to tell me you think that God allowed this to happen worldwide? Obviously so. Did God create the COVID-19 virus? No, the devil did. And maybe he had some help from some of his nefarious people. But nonetheless, I don't know. But nonetheless, you know what? God allowed it. Why? That's what you, you can say why all day. I, I don't know, but God's got purposes behind everything He allows, and if we'll do it right, let's take this time to allow Him to develop our character. And I've got several passages here. I've got different. I like different translations of Scripture because the different nuances of fault really help you process it well. So here's Romans chapter five. Uh, Three through five. First one's passion translation. So the Apostle Paul says this. He said, but that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character. And proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. Because we now can experience the endless love of God cascading cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Listen to the message paraphrase of this same passage. Matthew 5, 3 through Romans 5, 3 through 5. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles. And I like that attitude, don't you? Because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us. I've never heard those two words. Passionate patience. I can tell you I'm one person I've not had passionate patience. I've had begrudging patience. I hurry up, will you? But passionate pa oh come on, let's go. Keep it still. Keep it going. You know. You're waiting? I'm good. I'm good for this. Particularly in traffic. Hurry up! Hurry up! Passionate patience. I'm so glad you you, you cut me off. I'm so glad you're what looking at your phone while while the light is green. God bless you. This is just wonderful. I promise I'm not there yet, y'all. You may be going through this like, hurry up, hurry up. Passionate patience, man. Uh, again, because we know how troubles can develop. Passionate patience in us, and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue. Man, that's good. Helping alert us whenever God uh, for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, <coughs> we never or we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary, we can round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours. Into our lives through his Holy Spirit. And then amplified New Testament. I got to read this, y'all. We got a little bit of time, so listen, I just love this. Moreover, let us be full of joy now. Let us exult and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in, in our sufferings. I've been through some hard places, read that and go, hot dog. I just, you know, you don't want to do it, but like, all right. Knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce patient. And unswerving endurance. And endurance or fortitude develops maturity of character. Approved faith and tried integrity. And and character of this sort produces the habit of joyful and confident hope of eternal salvation. That's awesome, isn't it? So these are in the notes. I encourage you to get these scriptures and go back over them again and again. If you get this inside of you, you know, when your mind tries to go the wrong way, it really helps stay focused. Romans 8, 28, Amplified. We are assured and know that God, being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to those who love God and are called according to His design. And purpose. Message paraphrase says this. That's why we can be sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I, I really like that translation. And then Romans 8.18. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory which is revealed in us Later, See, you're stepping back from the problem and you're looking at the bigger picture. And that's what he's trying to uh, get, get us to do. Romans 8, 18 and 19. This is, again, passion translation. This is really good. I'm convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. And I've just got a sneaking feeling that what we're going through right now is really... For us who are believers worldwide, it's haunting us. It's preparing us for the glory of God to manifest. And he's asking us to get rid of the things that that don't amount to a hill of beans, as we say. But start focusing on the most important things in our life. Hey, the most important thing is not your new car. The most important thing is not your house. The most important thing is not your money or even your 401K. A part of it's gone right now. Most important thing is my relationship with God the Father. I'm going to carry that through eternity. And you know what? If we let him haunt our character right now, he's saying here his glory's going to manifest. Here's what I believe is going to happen on the other side of what we're in right now. We're going to see the glory of God hit the church like we have never seen in my lifetime. Listen, I've lived through the charismatic renewal, the word movement, all that, you know, in the, in the 70s, the 80s. I'm telling you, what we experienced back then, as grand as it was, is not to be compared with what's coming. But use the time right now. To let God haunt us and deal with us and, 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 and lift, the, lift the impurities out of our life. And that's what he's sharing in this verse. Again, this is uh, 18 to 19 Romans 8. I'm convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. The entire universe, listen, this is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious Son's. And daughters. Then 2 Corinthians 4, 14 through 18, New Living Translation, 16 through 18, New Living. It says, this is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. See, that's perspective. What is he doing? He's stepping back from today and he's looking at the bigger picture, where he was and where he's going. One day we'll look back on this and say, man, that was tough, but God did something in me. Right? Right? So for our present troubles, the small won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that is va- that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For things we see now will soon be gone. But things we cannot see will last forever. Man, that's awesome, isn't it? And here's the message. So we're not giving up. Same verses, 16-18, six, uh, 2 Corinthians 4. We're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. Isn't that great? These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's four more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see now will last forever. Isn't that awesome? So again, it's perspective when we're going through the hard place. So, you know, for me, I always seek God, what are you doing? What are you saying? So, you know, we didn't expect all this and We've had to cancel all kinds of things here. We've had meetings and things we've had to rearrange and all that. We weren't planning on this. So the moment this happened, and when things like this happen in life, it's really good to step, step back, take perspective, and just ask the question. And, and invite God in say, God, what are you saying to me? What do you want me to learn in this? And that brings me to my last point, number seven, in the tough place. Now, this is really important. Learn to pour your heart out to the Father. A lot of people keep things pinned up. They don't trust others. They've been in, um, been uh, uh, raised in a in a uh, in a family of, of, of uh, personal isolation in some ways, isolating themselves because of pain from others, not being intimate, not being close. A lot of people are that way. And if you're that way, you know it, it takes time. I know. Um, I just think back. Over forty years ago, over forty-three years ago, when I met the Lord, it, it makes me weep. I um, I just wasn't accustomed to opening up to others, and uh, for a number of reasons. And uh, you know, I can remember getting my going back to my bedroom. I still would live with my parents. I was going to college, and I get my Bible and read. I, I just had a fresh experience with God. It felt so good. But you know, I had that proverbial emotional knot in my throat about all the time because you know I had all kinds of angst for a number of reasons and. I just remember getting before God, and I didn't even know why I was doing it. But he made, I would read the Word for a while, and then I'd get down and, and say, God, I, I, I need to talk to you about something. And this thought would come, and that thought would come, and this motivation would come up, and this thing that had bothered me all my life would come up to me and say, God, I, uh, I've never talked to anybody about this. See, it makes me weep when I think about it. I say, God, but um, I, need, I need to let you know this. And I would tell him what I was feeling and what I was thinking. And right at that moment, it's like, it's hard to describe. It's like his love was liquid. It's like it was liquid love. It's like like my insides were wax, hard wax. God came with his love. Liquid just melted me. And I begin to change. And I begin to see that regardless of the hard place and the hard things and the bad things that have happened and the things that I've done wrong and you know, the ways I've not treated others properly and the ways pe- other people haven't treated me properly, it's okay. And God allowed me to let go and forgive, forgive others, forgive myself. You know, there's all kind of motivations that are inside of us that often we're not even aware are there. You know, precious metals, you know, you can have an alloy and it's got all kinds of metals in it. But you know, For instance, gold or silver, what do they do? What, what does the metallurgist do? He, he, puts that, he puts that precious metal under intense heat. And the intense heat draws the impurities to the surface. And then they take an instrument, scoop it off. And, and the more they do it, so you, got, you, know, you, you, got, you got 24 carat, you know, 10 carat, 12 carat, 18 carat, go 24 carat, go pure gold. How does that happen? The refining fire. And see, that's what God does and wants to do in the hard place. And that comes by, by pouring our heart out to God. And so what you think about yourself, your personal stuff, how people have treated you, your circumstances, your job, your business, your money, your relationships, your marriage, your children, you know, your mom, your dad, your care providers, all of these people in your life, you know, God sometimes in these hard places, if we'll get before Him and pour our heart out, He'll allow He'll allow us to deal with the things that have brought harm to our lives. Um, and I can tell you, I'm just thinking back all of the, you know, we I've had challenges lifelong in varying ways. And and some of the bigger things that God has worked out of me, just because of my personality, I, I have to deal with perfectionism, that is having to have everything just right, my way. And boy, that's a, that's a stinker when it comes to relationships. And, you know, God and Susan in our early years had to put up with me because I wanted it my way. It was so selfish. But it was during a time of hardship and duress that God began to say, Mitch, really didn't matter how what you like or don't like. Love other people where they're at. And he helped me deal with that perfectionism, workaholic tendencies. I mean, I've had these kinds of times. Uh, used to be that I couldn't take a break. And there are a lot of people i found in life today, particularly men. There's a lot of women too. You can't take a break because when you, when you slow down and stop, you suddenly feel awful. And you don't know why you feel awful. And there's a person like me, With with misplaced priorities, for me, I never felt good unless I was accomplishing things. See, that's a workaholic. You get your good feeling out of accomplishment. That was me. And it was during one of these tough times that God began to work that that idea that, well, Mitch, you're only valuable if you're busy. You know what I found out? You're just as valuable, just as loved, just as cared for by God when you're taking a step back and resting. And a lot of people in American culture haven't learned that. But it's in the hard place. When you're seeking God, those things can come up. And he can, uh, he can deal with it. Lastly, one of, one of the other big things, just the way I was raised, I had a deep-seated sense that other people would not accept me but would reject me. So I would go in. Just as a little boy, I'd walk into a room. and It's just the conditioning of things that happened when I was really young. And I know it was, but when I became an adult, I found myself walking into a room waiting for people to reject rather than accept me. Now, that's an awful, awful way to live. And it was one of these uh, hardship times in my life that that dross, that part of my life, you know, uh, came up to the surface and God showed me that it matters very little to me. 1 Corinthians 4, 3, what you or any man thinks of me. I don't even value my opinion of myself. And God, God began to show me that whether a person likes me or doesn't like me, that's not the most valuable thing. The most important thing is that he accepts me and that he loves me. And I live to please him, not live to please others. You know, I'm telling you, the hard place can, you know, believe it or not, can be one of the grandest times. Even though it's hard, even though it's tough, even though we don't like it, it can work It can work some amazing things in us. So Learn to pour out your heart. Psalm 61, this is a song, I'm, I want to sing it. Maybe I'll do a video one day and sing it, I don't know. One of my, one of my Bible school friends back in 1977 put this to music with his guitar. And I, when, I, when I read this, I'm going to hear his song. So this is a Psalm sixty-four, sixty-one, 1 through 5. Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. And then here's the song. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed... Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of your name. Then Psalm 37, 34, 17 through 19. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Isn't that amazing? The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. And then Psalm 34, 4 through 10. I prayed to the Lord and He answered me. He freed me from all of my fears. Those who look to Him for help will be radiant with joy No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you godly people. For those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust the Lord will lack no good things. So, you know, just tremendous promises. Get before God. Learn to pour your heart out. You know, if again, if you've never done that, it's kind of hard at first because you don't know what to say, but if you just say what you feel. And, and, you know, I found out God can handle you. And, you know, I've said some things that, I don't know, I... Y'all, I've said some things pretty raw to God. Really raw. And, and I found out he still loved me. But it was my emotions. It was my hurt. He knew it was coming from my pain. Because I was able to voice that. Uh, it, was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a catharsis. It was a cleansing. And you'll find that. Get before God. Get off. This is something you never do in front of other people. Go for a walk. Go somewhere alone. Get in a room. And just put some music on if you need to and seek God. You'll find he's a very present help. That's what I can say. I want to to leave you with this. Uh, Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths become weak and tired. Young men will fall in exhaustion. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They'll soar, on, they'll soar high on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow, grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. So you know what you find out? Going through a hard place and when we choose to pour our heart out, it's really where our strength comes from. And, uh, you know, we find, we've, we find ourselves tremendously renewed when we get on our face with God. We can take advantage of that. And I encourage you, during this time, we're so- socially distancing Good news is you don't have to distance from God. In fact, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You, you, can't, you can't, you know, hug anybody. I'm a hugger. I like to hug. I'm missing all my hugs. Got to catch up. But you know what? The Father can love you and hug you all the time. And when you get in his presence, that's what happens. So, you know, as uh, let me leave you with this couple of, uh, of points to consider. Uh, take some time, again, to pour your heart out to God. He wants us to share everything with Him. With him. And, and here's one after effect of this. When you really do pour your heart out, stress decreases, peace increases. It really does work that way. It's amazing. And then we learn to live by faith and not by feelings. And, and then secondly, whatever you're facing, don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on others. Don't give up on God. And there's a bigger picture. See the bigger picture, not just what's right in front of you. And then lastly, as I said earlier, life does to us what life finds in us. So what's in you? What's God saying to you? Maybe you just, you ruffle, your feathers are ruffled, you're aggravated, and this is a real time to, it's a real time to seek the Lord. It's really a time, uh, self-introspection is, is, is really good. Uh, one of the philosophers said an unexamined life is not worth living. There's just something about getting before God at this time. Can, can, I, can I pray for you? Lord, as we come to a conclusion here, I um Lord, I pray for. I pray for every person listening. I can feel the summer overwhelmed. What am I gonna do? How about my job? How about my mortgage? What am I gonna do? Others are concerned about how how this will play out. And dear Father God, I ask you, let your grace and let your mercy, let your kindness and let your love move into every person listening right now, whether it's today or another time. Let the presence of Jesus come into us. Regardless of what we feel, give 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 us a heart that's willing to open up to you and be real with you if you're here today I want to ask you a few questions if you were to die today would you go to heaven or would you go to hell there's a heaven there's a hell those things are very real y'all Hebrews chapter 9 says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that judgment so what about you and I'm reminded 1975 July 20th I got all these dates in my head somehow 16 years old I was at church with my then girlfriend And I wasn't walking with God I was sitting on the back row And the pastor gave an altar call Much like this Said you know You may never have another time To get right with God You may go to hell today And he pointed his finger at everybody. I thought wow I just held on to the I held way. I was sitting in pews I held on to that pew boy Because I didn't want my girlfriend To think I'm not just a real strong guy. I didn't want her to see that I had this yearning for God. And I didn't go. We had a wreck, y'all. I mean, it totaled my car. And when we had the wreck, I saw, I don't know how it happened, like a video my whole life, loomed before me. And I saw all the things I should have done, but I didn't do. And I knew at that moment I wasn't right with God. And I needed Jesus. Thankfully, my life was spared that day. Somebody was praying for me. I don't, how about you? Are you ready for eternity right now? Somebody said you're not ready to live, to, to, to live unless you're really ready to die. I, I made things right with God a little while after that. You can make things right with God today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Behold, now is the accepted time. If you're watching, maybe you've never asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sin and cleanse you and let Him come and rule your life. Maybe you have, but you've gotten away from God. You've straight away gotten involved in things that you and God know you should not be involved in. And it separated you from the closeness and fellowship you can have with God. You've lost your joy. You've lost your peace. Those are the first two things that go when we get out of fellowship with God. You can come back today. Jesus will forgive you. He will cleanse you for the believer if we confess our sins. He's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. You can pray with me right now and God will forgive you and God will cleanse you. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, it's really about your will. He's wanting you to give up the the rulership of your life and give it over to Him. And He's wanting to to rule your life for you and help you through everything that you face in life. But you've got to yield to it. Paul said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you can be saved. So pray with me. I want you to pray with me. That's right. Right now, just close your eyes, bow your heads, and pray with me right now. Heavenly Father, I come to You in Jesus' name. I confess that I've sinned. That I've been wrong. I've been living wrong. And right now. I repent. I ask you to forgive me. For every sin. I've ever committed. From the time I was born. Until today. Jesus come into my life. Cleanse my sin. Give me new interests. Give me new desires. Beginning today. I lay my will. And what I want. At your feet. Come and rule me. Come and be Lord of me. Beginning today. I say I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. Glory. If you just prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. That's an exciting, exciting, the best day of your life. The day you're born, second best day, the day you are born again. Come back to Jesus We've got information on our website for you Lots of sermon material I write a blog most Mitch MitchHorton.com You know, uh, hey, if you want to be a Facebook friend of mine I write blogs I do videos I post them on my Facebook Or you can go to our Victory Church uh, Facebook page And find all kinds of things that will help your spiritual life Tune back in We're here on Sundays, 9 and 11 We're here Wednesday nights When we start getting back together Get water baptized and uh, that can be a part of your life as well. If you need a Bible, if you'll let us know, contact us at info at and just let us know you had an experience with Jesus. And I'm praying for you and believing God that He will uh, strengthen you in the days to come.